0: Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Good evening. How's everybody doing? So I got like three people over here. One of those was Pastor Don. That's doing great. And he's been up since like 2 a.m. for the last three days straight because of 21 days of prayer. And he's going, yeah, I'm great. So, expect a little more enthusiasm. Come on, people, work with me. There we go, much better. Hey, uh, I'm gonna deviate from my notes already on the front side, how about that? That's what happens when you go into 21 days of prayer and you get pickled in the presence of the Most High God. Uh, Pastor Cody was talking about um, the night of worship that's coming up. And, and I want to clarify something just a little bit. He said maybe it's a physical healing you need. Maybe some of you have never ever heard of that happening. Uh, I shared, I think it was yesterday morning, the days are a little blurry right now. Uh, I think it was yesterday morning. Uh, several years ago, like several, I didn't have any gray hair. Uh, I herniated three discs in my back, L2, L3, and L4. And they basically told me, hey, dude, unless you have surgery, you can hang up this concept of ever walking upright again, and you can hang up ever not being in pain again. Uh, I'm not afraid of surgery. I've had surgery before. Surgery doesn't scare me at all. Um, but in a time of prayer, I really felt like the Lord told me, don't have surgery. So it's like, all right, I got to hang my hat on that. I mean, If the Lord speaks, you do what he says. It's just that simple. So that's what I hung my hat on. And for about the next three years, uh, my wife will attest to this, uh, there were times I was a roofing contractor. There were times in that season where I would literally have to drag myself to my truck on my belly in the mornings to get into it just so that I could go to work. I had had business owners that would come out and take pictures of me as I'm climbing two-story ladders with a cane in each hand trying to get up just so I could do my job. Um... My daughter decided at that time, she was gonna go to a Bible college in Dallas. And on their last night, uh, she wanted me to come up and check out the campus. She said, hey, they're doing this this big thing. I really want you to come, Dad. I really want you to just get a feel for the campus and see how you feel about me being here. And uh, I didn't want to go at all. I knew exactly what a five and a half hour ride on my back was gonna feel like the next day. Um, but I I just knew down in my spirit that I needed to go. So I go, uh, we went to this thing that's called a night of worship, and that was the whole crux of the evening. Uh, This was a school that's known for worship, and it was just gonna be two and a half hours of worship. No preaching, no anything. We go in, worship starts, we've been into it for a couple of songs, and the worship leader gets up and he says, hey, let me tell you something. You're going to see some things that you're not used to seeing here tonight. People get healed in these services while we're worshiping. So if you see some people throwing their hands up and hooting and hollering and just going crazy or maybe they're going to drop to their knees crying, it's probably because God has healed something in them, either physically or or spiritually, in their soul, if you will. You know, depression, a wound from the past, all those things. And I was like, man, that would be awesome. It's only been three years. And just being real. So I enter into worship. They start this next song. And about halfway through the song, God just touched my back. Nobody laid hands on me and prayed for me. And I drove home that night. And when I got up the next morning, I got out of bed and I gasped because it had been three years since i hadn't felt any pain and i stepped out of bed and i felt no pain so when we have our night of worship you come expectant knowing that god wants to touch you you bring your neighbors you bring your coworkers, you bring your friends, because we are setting an atmosphere of faith in this house to see God move. You do not want to miss that. All right, I'm gonna pray really quick. We're gonna jump in, we got 22 minutes, I got 11 pages of notes. (laughs) Father in heaven, we thank you for tonight. We thank you that your presence is so sweet here, Holy One. We thank you that during this 21 days of prayer that the atmosphere is changing here and not just here, but in the surrounding areas. We thank you that because of what's being laid here through 21 days of prayer that the atmosphere is changing in India for all the missionaries that we have over there. That it's changing in Mexico for our sister church, Arbol de Vida in Mexico. We thank you that the atmosphere is changing all around us because we are laying a foundation and a road of faith to see your kingdom come on this earth. And Father, tonight as as we get into your word, I pray first and foremost for your anointing because without your anointing, it's just a motivational talk and we don't need that. We need an encounter with you, the most high God. It is your anointing that breaks the yokes off of people's lives. So that's what we ask for. And Father, I pray that if anybody's distracted by yesterday or tomorrow or what they heard last week, that 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 is laid aside, that tonight, right now, in this moment, at the preaching of your word, that there is connection so that they can get what they need from you, Father. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus, amen. Philippians 2, finding your joy. Finding your joy. It seems like whenever we do these uh, the the book studies, when we go through a book of the Bible, somebody always gets that one chapter that's kind of a little bumpy. It's kind of hard, you look at it and you go, oh great, I'm gonna have to stay on topic with that. All right. But I think what you're gonna see in Philippians 2 is that we see an outline for how to find joy. You're gonna see an outline for it, a way that we can get into a state of joy and then stay in that state of joy If we really break down the scripture and look at what it's saying, we're gonna see that outline. Uh, Pastor Cody did a great job of setting it up last Wednesday. He talked about uh, the city, Philippi, and what was going on there. It was a very, very important city. Uh, It it wasn't just a city that was under Roman subjugation, if you will. This was a city that became a Roman colony. And it was placed on on this path My Bible school days are slipping me. I believe it was called the Ignatian Way, I believe. And it connected Asia to Italy. And so this was a path of commerce. It was traveled. So we can also take from that and know that there was probably a military influence there. Uh, They wanted to protect what they had. So these weren't just normal folks that lived in Philippi. These were important people. These were affluent people. These These were soldiers that were there, and they experienced some, some privileges that other people didn't have. They didn't have to pay taxes. Uh, that was what all the other places had to do that they had taken and, and made subservient to them. And they also had the right to buy and sell land. So they were a privileged people, and they were used to it. And. And it looks like possibly from the tone of the letter that maybe they had started to slide back into a little bit of an entitlement mentality. Uh, We're gonna see that in the text. Otherwise, Paul wouldn't have written some of the things that he wrote. He was writing to address some things that he had been told were going on in the church. And so I think we're gonna see, and you'll see it as well, that maybe a little bit of self-centeredness, a little bit of entitlement had begun to creep back in possibly. uh, And we're gonna see that as well. before we do that, I gotta lay a couple of foundation things down. Pastor Cody said that joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. This is in your notes. Uh, I took that word joy and I started trying to break it down and put a frame around it. It's kind of a hard word to define. I mean, if you say happiness, that's not really right, but happiness is part of it. I mean, so what do you do with it? Uh, And I found a quote by Kay Warren, that's Pastor Rick Warren's wife, and she said, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is gonna be all right. And the determined choice to praise God in every single situation. I was like, oh now, come on. That, that picture frames the word joy. That kind of boxes in every corner on it and you go, yeah, I can, I can hang my hat on that. It'd be kind of hard to get that on a t-shirt because it's a whole lot of words, but we need to recognize that joy and happiness are not the same thing. Joy and happiness are not the same thing. Now, I will say that, that if you will choose joy in your life, then you will be a lot happier. But it's not the same thing. You can can actually be happy momentarily and not have joy in your heart. Um, And so I'm gonna give you a couple distinctions between the two. Happiness is self-focused. Happiness is self-focused. It's determined by what happens to me. It's determined by what happens to you. It's an emotional thing. So outside stimuli changes it. It's not that happiness is bad, happiness is great. Christians ought to be the happiest people on the planet. My gosh, we've got a savior that died for us, paid the price for us, our sins are forgiven, we've inherited heaven. We ought to be happy about that. We ought to be some of the happiest people on the planet. But happiness is temporary in nature. Uh, My grandfather fell a few weeks ago and and broke his neck. When I got that news, I wasn't happy. Uh, My grandmother, last Wednesday, fell and broke her leg, both bones, right here. They're 90, you know, it's not a good thing to break bones at 90. Uh, And then Monday, she falls again and breaks her arm. I wasn't happy, but I was able to have joy because even if, even if this is them getting ready to cross the threshold of heaven, man, I can rejoice in that they're not going to hurt anymore truth be told it would this sounds bad it would be better for them than the pain that they're experiencing right now does that make sense paul said hey it's better to be present with the lord so i can have joy in that i can have joy that it's bringing some of my family members together where there's been some crazy crazy division for years and years and years and years because god is ultimately going to work it all together for his good so joy is god focused it's determined by what Jesus already did for me, by what he did for you at the cross. Uh, when I spoke uh, two, I think it's three Wednesdays ago tonight, uh, we did Journey of Grace. And that word grace is the word charis. The root, so the root word for joy is the exact same root word for grace, and if we remember grace, the word literally means God's, God's propensity, his, his inclination, he's naturally leaning towards us to give us favor and benefit us. Well, the word joy, it has the same root word, the part of the word that means God's leaning towards you, and the rest of the word means so focus on that. That's what the word literally means in the Greek. So you stay focused, on what Jesus did. That's that's where joy comes from. Uh, Now since that's a spiritual thing, appreciating that what Jesus did is really a supernatural spiritual thing for us. Our, Our spirit was reborn by what he did when we said yes to him. So we have to access that joy through the power of the spirit. Galatians 5, 22 through 23, it's the fruit of the spirit. It says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy. So since we're focusing on Jesus and it's a supernatural thing, then we have to access that through our spirit. We can't work it up in our flesh. All right, we've got some groundwork. So now we can jump forward into this thing. We're gonna start in Philippians two. I'm gonna start in verse one. I'm gonna read the first 11 verses and I'm gonna read them fast. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Uh, Another translation says vain glory. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him, hang on to that word, therefore. God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Now when you realize that the entire underlying theme in the book of Philippians is joy, we can take any passage out of Philippians and then view it through that lens. Does that make sense? So, we're gonna look at number one here. uh, Unity prepares our hearts to choose joy. Verses one and two. Paul throws all these different scenarios out there. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, he's like, hey, are you guys united in Christ? If any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, he's trying to get them to a place of unity. He's like like that dad who's got three kids that are going at it. And the dad steps in and goes, hey, we're on the same, Team, what are you doing? We gotta have some unity around here. Did anybody ever have a dad that did that? Did anybody ever have to say that to their kids? I can say both for me. But what we see is that unity prepares our heart for joy in that. It's the the place where we have to start. If we're always in contention against each other, then I dare say it's impossible to walk in joy because there's always that thing right there. It's just er, uh, And so you can't choose joy. So if, if you think of it as a race, unity would be, the, would be the guy with the starter pistol going, ready, get in unity. When we get in unity, then we can begin to start to move down this path, finding our joy. Um, Ephesians 4.3 says, maintain the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. That's what Paul was getting at. He's like, hey, because of what the Lord did, the unity of the spirit, we can all hang our hats on. We can agree on that no matter what. We may not agree on the color of the carpet, we do agree on that. And then next we see that humility positions our hearts for joy in verses three through eight. Humility positions our hearts for joy. Uh, It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Remember I said that word vain glory? We should never be doing anything to get glory for us. It should always be for the glory of the king. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Says that, that he made himself lower, that he stepped down from the perfection of heaven. That's a position of humility. He said what you are going through, what you're more important than I am. And I want to help you. I came so that you could be made free It was all about people. It was about somebody else, and that's a humble position. Man, remember, joy is God-focused. God is focused on people. So we should be focused on people. It's a position of humility. Remember, the key to humility is considering Christ. The key to humility is considering Christ. Uh, Look look at verse five. Is that going to... I may not make the screen. Verse 5 says, uh, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So we have to consider Christ in all of this. When we consider what he did, when we park our car in that garage, if you will, then we can always walk in humility. Uh, Romans 5 8 through 9 is a verse that that has stuck with me since the day I got saved. Romans 5, 8-9 says that God didn't choose me when I was all cleaned up already. It says that he chose me in my sin. It was when I was in my lowest worst state. It was was in that place that he went, no, no, no. You're mine and I want you. And when we focus on that, we can stay humble. It's really pretty easy when when you view it from that lens and the next, choosing others keeps us on the path of joy. Choosing others, this whole humility thing of putting others first will actually keep us on the path of joy. You see, if we, if we start thinking about ourselves above everybody else, then we end up back in the flesh. We end up back out of joy and then we're trying to be driven by happiness. A long time ago there was a song, please don't fire me Pastor Don, it was by a band called Queen. And some of the lyrics of it were, I want it all, I want it all, and I want it now. That's what we look like when we don't walk in humility, when we don't choose others first. And in that place you can never be satisfied, you'll never experience joy there. It's not possible, I've tried it. So choose others to keep on the path of joy. Uh, number four, focus on the finish line, focus on the finish line. And I'm gonna flip this really, really quick so that I can read verses nine and 11. It says, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You're like, man, how did you get focus on the finish line out of that? It's real simple. Remember what I said about that word therefore? Therefore means, so then. So you have to look at what came before it. That's, that's what the word means. It's like, hey, because this happened, now do this. Jesus said he was able to do that in Hebrews 12 by focusing on the finish line. He said, for the joy set before him, he was able to endure the cross. He focused on the finish line. So we have to focus on the finish line if we're gonna stay in this thing called joy. Heaven is real. God is real. Your salvation is real. You can focus on that. The alternative is also true. Hell is real. It's real. There's a real enemy. There's a real devil. And people all around you will die and go to that place. If you don't shine God's light into their lives. And we're gonna see in just a second, the way that light shines best is when we walk in joy. Why would anybody wanna follow somebody that's always, ah, praise Jesus? I, really? Man, I don't know about all that. But when you can stand up and go, man, my grandparents are in the nursing home and they got broken bones all over the place, but praise God, praise God, praise God. I prayed with them and I know they're Christians. So I know what's coming for them. That messes with people. They don't understand that. And they want a piece of that. Now we're gonna jump into the next block of scripture. Uh, starting in verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Hold on to that. That phrase has knotted up a lot of people for a lot of years, and they think it says that you've got to do all this and all of that to stay saved. We want to touch on that. For it's God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Ouch so that you may ble- become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you'll shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life, and then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I, do- that I didn't run or labor in vain, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, then I'm glad. <laughs> Paul's saying, hey, even if I die, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. He's sitting in prison writing this letter. He says, hey, rejoice with me. It's a good thing. Pastor Cody said last week that uh, priorities determine perspective, and perspective determines perception. I want to play with that just a little bit, okay? So, if priorities are important, then if we get our priorities out of order, we end up out of joy. You gotta keep priorities in the right place. So I came up with an acrostic. I don't know why it is that we feel like when we get a microphone that we need to give you three points that all start with the same letter or an acrostic. I, it's actually because they teach it to us a Bible college. I swear they do, it's a fact. Um, <laughs> so the first letter, I, your acrostic is joy. We wanna put some priorities in place. Jesus has got to be first. If you're gonna stay in joy, if you're gonna choose joy, I know this sounds elementary, but I dare say that probably all of us in here, sometime in the past six months, could say we stepped out of joy and into something else, or possibly we haven't figured out how to catch our stride and stay in joy. So I wanna make sure that we just have these things in us. You gotta start with Jesus. Verses 12 and 13 says, therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Hmm. Remember that whole therefore thing. It was all about focusing on Jesus and remembering what he did. Now, since we hit that already, here's what I'm gonna give you. That part where it says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, Let me tweak that just a little bit. In the NLT, it has a really great way of saying it. It says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Does that not sound a lot different? It's not that one's wrong. (laughs) They both really say the same thing when you look at it. It doesn't say, hey, stay saved by working out your salvation. No, but your salvation should manifest in the things that you do. You work out your salvation. He's saying walk it out one step at a time, day after day, day in, day out, walk it out. Don't let your salvation be something you stick on a shelf in your closet waiting for the day that you punch the clock and step to heaven. No, 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 work it out, walk it out. Let some folks see what God did for you That's what it says. And then it goes on to say that when you do that, then God is the one that gives you the power, the strength, and the energy to fulfill everything that he's got. It's how I can tap into it, and no matter what, I can now step and go, praise God, I know God's got something going on with my grandparents. I stepped into the nursing home today. I got to pray with two of the technicians that work there. you know, I didn't step in there thinking it would happen, but it's like, okay, there's an opportunity. Let's go for this. You know, that's what we can do. It's walking it out, and he empowers us for it. That's right. That's good. All right. Then the next would be others. The next would be others. Verse 14. <laughs> do everything without grumbling and arguing. Other translations, say do everything without murmuring and complaining. You can see it four or five different ways. It's because those two words, Uh, especially that word arguing, it could be taken several different ways. If you're grumbling and arguing, then you're not putting others first. It's just that simple. (laughs) You're placing yourself first. You're placing yourself first. So the definition of grumble in the Greek and in the English is the same thing. Complain or protest about something in a bad-tempered but typically muted way. How crazy is that? What? So it says you may actually even do whatever it is that you were told, but you're ill-tempered about it. Uh, Another translation says do everything willingly and cheerfully. I'm gonna be real transparent with (laughs) y'all. Because I think sometimes you think, man, those guys don't ever mess with any of that. They don't know what I'm going through. It's been a hard, busy season. And when 21 days of prayer came up on the calendar, can I just tell you that my first response was not, yeah, woohoo. I grumbled about it a little bit inside. And I really grumbled about it for a few days before I realized, oh my gosh, I got grumbling going on inside of me. That's a ugly thing. I gotta stop that, because if I don't stop it, it just becomes like an infection And then this other word begins to happen, this arguing word, and we want to break that down a little bit, Uh, this Greek word for arguing doesn't mean what our word for argue means. When we say we argue, it means that Pastor Lemoyne and I both have a point of view on something. He is 100% positive that he is right, I am 100% positive that I am right. So we present the facts of our side to try to win the other one over to our side because we're right. I know no man has ever done that with his wife. (laughs) This Greek word, that's not what it means. It means a calculation, reasoning, thought, movement of thought, deliberation, plotting, with yourself and then with others against the truth. It means that you actually begin to argue against something that you know is right. And it's normally when you see it in the Bible in regards to something spiritual. And you know it's the right thing. And you choose to try to make an argument against it and possibly even encourage other people to be on your side against what you know is a good thing to do. It's the right thing to do. I couldn't end up there in that place about 21 days of prayer because I knew it was right. I knew it was right. When Pastor Don shared his heart about it, the other day, it it was just like, yeah, that's right. My gosh, we're doing this so people can get saved. That's always right, (laughs) period. Maybe that'll buy me five minutes on the clock. Um, the other thing that it could mean, the other thing that it can mean is this, that you begin to doubt what you know is right and true. Uh, we see an example of that in Luke 24, 35 through 40. Jesus shows up after he's, he's come back, he's come out of the grave, he shows up to a couple of the disciples, he has some breakfast with them, they're walking, they're talking, and all of a sudden their eyes are open and they go, Jesus, it's you! And he's like, Yeah, I told you I was coming back. But then they go and they meet up with the rest of their boys and they're talking about it and all of a sudden Jesus just appears in their midst, it says. And it says that basically they got scared and they began to doubt. And Jesus goes, "Whoa, whoa, 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 why are you doubting? Why are you doubting? You know it's me. That's basically what he said. So that's what we see there and then last, you. We have to end up in that last place. We have to end up there. If we don't, nothing else works. Look at verse 15. Uh, It says, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. When we do that, we can stay in joy when we put these things in the right priority, and then we shine. And people encounter our God. Remember, light doesn't shine to be seen. It shines to show the way. That's good. That's good. That's why light shines. That's what we're supposed to be doing. It's not about us being seen. It's about him being seen. Uh, and then lastly, I put this in there, invest in others. Investing in others brings joy. Uh, verses 16 through 18 says, As you hold firmly to the word of life, and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain, But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Here's the context. Paul says, hey, even if I die, I've invested everything that God's put in me in you. And so even if I die, I'm good. I've got joy because you're gonna carry the message further. You're gonna do more with it than I was able to because I'm gonna step into heaven so I can rejoice. That's what it says when he says, "I, I don't care if I'm poured out like a drink offering. In the Old Testament, they would take a drink offering and pour it on the hot coals of the altar and it says that it would provide a sweet smelling aroma to the Lord. We see that same drink offering, the same exact attitude in Jesus at the Last Supper. He takes the wine and he says, this is my blood poured out for you. He's like, look, I'm getting ready to pour out my life like a drink offering for you. And I'm counting it all joy. And Paul says the exact same thing. He had matured so much in his faith. He had walked so long in joy that he was able to say, man, no matter what comes, it's good. It's good. So rejoice with me. And then I threw one other thing in there. And that was... Investing in others expands God's kingdom. That's not about joy. It's something that you need to do. Verses 19 through 23, he talks about Timothy. He talks about his son Timothy. He said, man, you guys know that there's nobody like Timothy. Nobody has my heart and my mind like Timothy does. I have invested in him. So then he instilled Timothy as the pastor in the church in Ephesus, the largest church young man. And he was able to spread the gospel through that church. We are getting ready to start community groups and life groups. Any community group leaders and life group leaders here, the best thing that you can do is find your Timothys. You have got to find your Timothy to invest in. Because if something happens and you get taken out of the picture, then it stops with you. It won't leave a legacy you'll make your splash while you're here, but then it won't go anywhere. And if you'll find your Timothys, then when you launch your Timothy out to start their group, then they find their Timothy, it multiplies and spreads like wildfire. That is how there's a tree of life here today because 12 dudes took it and kept pouring into people one at a time. Here you go, man, I'm gonna give you some of this. I'm gonna give you some of this. And then it spread, so you gotta remember Find a Timothy, train up a Timothy. Kingdom expansion hinges on it. But all of it starts with Jesus, like we said. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.